This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want to talk to you out of Daniel chapter number 3 on what the fire cannot do. The fire can do a lot to you. The fire represents a lot. And I'm going to assume that most of us in here uh, have been around church long enough where we understand the, the Old Testament stories and we understand in chapter number 3 of the book of Daniel that we are entering into the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, here are three young men. We don't know their age. We just know that they were young men. We just know the second thing about them is that they are eunuchs. They have been separated there from manhood. They've been separated from maturity. They've been separated probably as an act of of humiliation by Nebuchadnezzar. And there are three young men. Now here is what you need to understand. The world had tried to degrade them, but they still had a backbone like a saw log, and God had empowered them. Now, I'm not going to read to you the entire chapter, but I am going to read to you now in verse number 25. Daniel 3 and 25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, beloved, I don't know why we in the Baptist church get to a certain age, and for this age up to a certain age, all we do is teach our kids certain stories in the Bible. Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. Noah and the ark. We tell them about David and Goliath. We tell them about Elijah calling fire down from heaven. We tell them about the three Hebrew boys in the fire. We tell them about Daniel in the lion's den. And then... When you hit high school and you graduate, we stop talking to them about these stories in the Bible. Now, I think there's probably a mindset, an idea that it's too childish. But you know, remedial math and rudimentary uh, English are elementary things as well. But you and I both know that if you don't know one plus one, you ain't really going to do much in your life. And it's these simple stories in the Bible that we have forgotten and we've looked over them and we have not turned our heart to them. Now here we find three boys. They've been thrown into the fire. And inside of that fire, they come out on the other side. They get out of this fire and they go to the other side of this fire and they learned a lesson that even though the fire is hot, seven times hotter than it ever been before, even though the fire is tough, tougher than anybody had ever seen or experienced before, that there were certain things that fire could not do. Brothers and sisters, that fire is a picture of the hardship and the problem and the issues and the situations that come your way for one reason, because you refuse to bow to the ways and the whims and the witnesses of this life. It's when a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or a teenager or a college kid stands up on both of their ten and a half and says, as for me, I can't control my house, but as for me, I will serve the Lord God of heaven. And you ain't going to serve God long without fire coming into your life. There's going to be problems. There's going to be situations. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be issues. But I've come to inform somebody 
The fire may be hot and the fire may be long and the fire may be intense, but there are some things the fire cannot do in your life. Now, in order to know what the fire can't do to you, you got to know what the fire can do to you. Number one, the fire can confuse you. You say, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. Here's Shadrach, here's Meshach, and here's Abednego. And they get in that fire, but before they get in that fire, they make a statement in verse number 17. They say, now, king, if it be so, if it be so, if it be so. Now, we know our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, but... If not, now here are three Hebrew boys. They know God can deliver them, but they say, Lord, if it's not your will, I guess we want to make a little caveat. Now, I thought you're supposed to be firm. I, supposed to, I thought you're supposed to be without wavering. I thought you're supposed to be without turning aside. But yet these boys say, God, we know you're able, but if you don't. You see, our minds, the devil's gotten us so messed up, we We've got this awe, this idea and this mindset that when we're in the hot place and in the tough place, that when we have struggles and fears and anxieties, we must not be right with God. The devil will so confuse you and say, well, I guess you don't really believe God. You do understand there is a but if not part of the faith. There is a but if not part of our believing. I do know that God is able to turn the American nation around, but if not... There is an idea. I know God can turn your situation around, but if not, here's the problem with fire. It has a mighty big way of confusing your mind. Can I ask you a question? How many of you have ever seen God deliver somebody from their problem? And you go into your faith-filled problem with that amount of faith. God, you did it for them. I know you can do it for me. How many of you have been disappointed that God didn't do it for you? See, the fire has a way of confusing your mind. Second thing the fire can do is the fire can cut you off. Now, I want you to notice something. Here we are. We're out on the plains of Shinar. We've got 100,000 people at least that are out there. And I mean, they're playing the flute. They're playing the, the cornet. They're playing the tambourines. They're playing everything. And they're out there with all these different Jews. Now, all they had to do was stay with their people. All they had to do in order to keep with their friends was to bow to the whims of the world. But they refused to bow. And you know what happened? They got separated from their friends. Now out there on the field, there's a hundred thousand, but in that fire, there's only three. Can I help you with something people will tell me all the time? They'll say, preacher, one of the greatest struggles I have are the wrong people in my life. I'll tell you the greatest thing you can do to get the wrong people out of your life. You ain't got to say no to them but one or two times and say, I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what it costs me, and they'll walk away from you. You won't have to walk away from them. That's just the way it operates. I had a man tell me one time, he says, I don't know how to separate from my friends. I don't know how to separate from those beer drinking friends, those alcohol drink, those parties. I don't know how to separate. I said, I'll give you the best way. He said, I don't want to offend them where they don't come to try. I said, I'll give you the best way. The next time you go to eat and they order a bunch of beer at your table, before you let them drink that beer, I want you to say, fellas, before we're going to do anything and sit at this table, I brought my Bible. I want to give you a little devotion. And do you mind 
mind if I pray? And when you bow your head at that table, I mean you call down the fire and fire of a holy God and tell them there is but one God. I mean, I'd get a chainsaw hacking in there. Hey, 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 God, I pray right now that you'd let them choke on that beer. I pray, God, in the name that is above every name, let them fall down. Oh, God, let the fire of God. You won't have to walk away from him. I promise you, before you open up your eyes, you'll be alone at that table. (laughs) Fire has a way, though, of cutting you off from the people that have always been around you. Life ever been going good for you? And you can't find enough seats for everybody in your party. Problems come. Where did everybody go? Fire has a way of cutting you off from people. I'll tell you the third thing that fire will do to you. It'll confuse you. It'll cut you off from people. It'll also clear you out. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you what I mean by that. On the outside, they got a flute. And they got tambourines. And they got a golden 90-foot statue of Nebuchadnezzar. But they don't have God. They get on the inside of that fire. And you know what they got? Nothing but heat. You see, the fire has a way of cutting out everything you think you need in order to have God. On the outside, they had music, but they didn't have God. On the outside, they had people, but they didn't have God. On the outside, they had a crowd, but they didn't have God. On the outside, they had gold, but they didn't have God. But that fire came, and you couldn't find the music. And that fire came, and you couldn't find the people. And that fire came, and there wasn't any gold but honey. When the people walked out, and the gold walked out, and the music walked out, they looked around in that fire, and you know who had not walked out? There was a fourth man standing in the midst of that fire, and he was with them all the way. Oh! the fire will cut off of your life the things you think you've got to have. My wife and I, when we first got married, we didn't have anything. And when I say we had nothing, that was pushing it. And we had all these dreams about stuff like every young couple has. I mean, we were looking for big vacations. We, we saw all of our friends going on cruises and we saw all of our friends going to Hawaii. So we just started saving. We were going to Gatlinburg. I mean, we were dreaming big, baby. (laughs) We were going on a trip on the old gospel ship. I didn't care if I had to preach when I went up there. We were going on vacation. We got our little Mason. A little Mason was born, and I got to thinking, man, I got to make sure my son has all the right clothes. Got to make sure my son's got the right shoes. I got to make sure my, my kids got everything. And then Ella's born. And when I found out we were having a girl, I knew I was already poor. You, I wasn't going but one direction. And you know, you got all these ideas about what you think you got to have to have success. And then when she's born, fire, doctors, tubes. Medical reports. 
And I'm going to tell you what that fire did. I didn't care about what she wore. I didn't care about where she went. I didn't care about what she had on her feet. All I cared about was, oh God, I sure need you in the midst of this fire. I sure need you to come to where I'm at. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you what fire's doing in some of your lives right now. I know the the fire is hot. I know the pain is tough. I know the tribulation is rough. But what God is doing in your life, all that stuff you thought you had to have, all that stuff you thought you needed to survive, all that stuff you thought you had to have, I'll tell you what God does. He'll send the fire into your life and it'll clear out everything you think you've got to have in order to have God. I'm going to tell you what God will do in my life every now and again. He'll pull away everything I think i got to have to have the power of God and show me that the only thing i got to have is a hungry heart and a humble soul. Now those are the things the fire can do. I'll tell you what the fire can't do. I'll give you four things. Load them up and blow them out as fast as I possibly can. The first thing the fire cannot do in your life, the problem cannot do to your family, the problem cannot do to your situation, the problem cannot do to your life. The first thing it cannot do, it cannot scorch you. You say, where do you get that from? Well, I'll tell you where I get that from. If you'll notice over in verse number 27 of this chapter, here's what the Bible says. It says, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Now, I want you to pay attention to that little phrase right there. There was not a hair of their head singed. What's so important about that? Well, if you've been around fire any amount of time, you know the closer you get to the fire, the first thing that's burnt is what? Hair. And you can tell in the smell and in the sight when a hair's been singed. Now, here is the whole point of that. Hair is a picture in the Bible. Hair is a type of the glory of God. Do you remember what, what, what Paul said in the book of Corinthians? He said, it is the glory of a woman to have what? Long hair. It's, it's a picture there of the glory of God. Now, in the Old Testament, men would wear beards in the Old Testament. They were not to shave that beard. Now, don't go out of here and say, well, I got short hair, therefore God ain't with me, or I shave and God, no, 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 you're missing the point. It was everywhere they went. It was a physical symbol that they were different. It was a physical symbol that God was upon them. Now, in that fire, you got to understand that fire separated them from gold. That fire separated them. They were wrapped up in those linen garments. You know what those were? Those were the mummy clothes of the Egyptians. Those that man Nebuchadnezzar had wrapped them up in the death clothes, and they went in, son. I mean, from head to toe, and that fire fire, it burnt off those clothes and it burnt off that wrapping. But you know what it did not touch? It did not touch their hair. That hair a symbol of the glory of God. Now watch this and watch this closely. That fire, it separated them from people. That fire separated them from things. That fire separated them from man's worship. But it did not separate them from God's touch on their life. I remind you right now, the devil's got people convinced that you're in a problem. They're Therefore, you're powerless. That you're in a situation. Therefore, you've got no ability. That you're in an issue. Therefore, you've got no touch with God. I remind you right now, that fire can't take God off of your life. That fire can't touch your praying power. That fire can't touch your living power. That fire can't touch your worship power. It may be hot, but it cannot singe and scorch the God that's on your life. Can I tell you something? 
the hardest times I've ever prayed were when the fire was hot. But the best times I've ever prayed was when the fire was hot. The fire can't scorch you. Number two, I'll tell you what the fire can't do. It can't stoop you. What does that mean? They're in that fire, and all of a sudden, you got to ask the question, what put them in the fire? It was because they would not bend. It was because they would not bow. So standing on the outside of the fire did what? Standing on the outside of the fire caused them to be thrown into the fire. Now I want you to go back to verse number 25 of this chapter. Notice what the Bible says. Nebuchadnezzar says, Lo, I see four men loose doing what? Walking. Do you know why he threw in that little word walking? Because he wanted them to know. The posture that they had on the outside of the fire had not changed when they got on the inside of the fire. They were over here standing for God when there was no flame and they were in here standing for God when there was a flame. They were over here living for God when there was no fire and they're over here living for God when there was fire. They were out here giving a voice to the things of God and they're over here giving a voice to the things of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's anybody's game when you're on the outside of the problem. Anybody when life is good and life is sweet, anybody can stand up and lift up their hands and say right is right and wrong is wrong. But when it's your family in the fire, it's mighty hard to stand. Anybody, listen to me, anybody can shout and hoop and holler and preach and spit and stutter and stammer when you're standing up here preaching all y'all. But when you get out there and you're at the Panera Bread and you're standing at the register and up here I've said God is God. But at Panera Bread, when you hear the lady behind you say, I don't know why those people go to church. Where are the people that stand on the outside of the fire and turn around and stand on the inside of the fire. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you I've always stood. I wish I could tell you I'd never back down on God. But there was this one time I probably wasn't super wise about it. I was at the dentist. And I'm about to get in big trouble. So y'all pray for me. And that dentist walks in and I... Time out. If you're a dental hygienist in this room, we don't want to talk to you. Get a puppy. Because there ain't nothing harder or worse than having metal tools and water picks squirting in the back of your throat and somebody ask you what you're doing this weekend. And they were filling a tooth or I don't know what they were doing. And that dentist walked in, Brother Tim, and they had that rose hanging out there. And I just got called to preach. I'd been called to preach a month and a half. 
And I sit down, and I'm, you know, I'm a little more political now because I'm not an idiot. Back then, I had a whole lot of stupid inside of me. And I mean, I'm bold. I'm bold. Scott, stupid is what I was. And that little, nerd, that, that little dental hygienist, she's asking me about what I'm going to do. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to be a fireball preacher. I'm going to be a fire-breathing, God-fearing, hell-stomping preacher. And the dentist walks in. And she's got that pick. And she's got that shot. And she says, where do you go to church? And I tell her, she said, oh, I go to such and such a Methodist church. And our pastor, she's wonderful. And this is what she said. Do you believe in women preachers? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. They're wonderful. (laughs) I wish I could tell you I was that smart. I looked at her, and I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I don't know what happened. The whole left side of my body was numb for like the next week and a half. Now, that that story really did happen. That's not an exaggeration. But here's what I'm telling you. It's mighty easy to stand when you're inside this building. Don't let the devil tell you because you have a hard time standing out there where the fire is really at and where the storms are really at that you're not a strong Christian. No, the devil knows that he can't make you bend. The devil knows he cannot make you stoop. And even though the fire is hot and the problems are big, that fire cannot bend you over. It can't make you stoop. So I tell you, child of God, just keep on stand it and don't bend to the whims of this life. The fire can't make you do that. Number three, the fire cannot separate you. I thought you said the fire will cut you off from people. Oh, it'll cut you off from people. But it can't separate you from somebody. You see, they get inside that fire, and I mean, son, they're wrapped up from head to toe. They're wrapped up from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And here's what they found. They found on the inside of that fire, they got thrown into that thing, and before they knew it, they realized we're in here all by ourselves. They're in here, and we ain't got nobody around us. What they did not know is that there was somebody that was waiting on them when they got in the fire, and when the world could not help them, And when the Jews could not help them, there was a God waiting on them inside of that fire. And Nebuchadnezzar looks inside that fire and he says, my God in heaven. He says, I ain't never seen the sight. He says, lo, didn't we just throw in there three men? Yes, sir. We sure enough threw in there three men. Then you've got to help me, boys. My medication ain't doing right because I'm looking inside that fire. And lo, I don't see three men. I see four men that are on the inside of that fire. Ladies and gentlemen, there's neither height and there's not depth. There's not width and there's not mountain. There's not demon and there's not angel. There's not problem and there's not principality that can come against you and can come against me and separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You know what? I can't prove this. I can't prove it. I don't think they ever saw him. 
I don't think they ever saw him. You know how I know? They came out of the fire, didn't they? If you'd been tested out there, and when you got in there, you found God, would you come out? I wouldn't. They never knew God was in that fire. Do you know the way that they knew somebody bigger than them had helped them? The fact that they came out of that fire. Beloved, I'm here to tell somebody, the devil's trying to lie to you, telling you you're not going to make it. But the fact you keep surviving, and the fact you keep going, and the fact you keep living, and the fact you keep faith in your heart, and the fact you keep breathing, and the fact you just keep on going, that is an indication that you're not by yourself in the fire, and you're not by yourself in the trial, and you're not by yourself in the situation, and you're not by yourself in the issue, and you're not by yourself in the tribulation, and you're not by yourself in the sickness. The fact you keep on going shows me that not even the fire can separate you. Can I give you this fourth little point? Number four, I'll tell you what the fire can't do. The fire can't stop God from doing in your life. I don't know if anybody's ever thought about this, but in chapter one, we're not just introduced to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're introduced to their friend whose name is Daniel. Chapter 1 and in chapter 2 we see Daniel. In chapter 3 we only see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then you come back to chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 you see Daniel again. Where would Daniel go? We don't know. But we do know this. We do know that that day on the plains of Shinar everybody that did not bow thrown in the fire and Daniel wasn't thrown in the fire now am I saying he bent no that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying he wasn't among the number of the ones standing now was he up there with Nebuchadnezzar very well could have been was he among the princes he very well could have been but that day when the when the three boys came out of the fire Nebuchadnezzar looks at him and in chapter number 3 at the end of the chapter he looks at him and says, I want everybody to know the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's the only true living God. I can't prove this, but I'll give you a King Tyler version. I think standing off to the side is a man whose name is Daniel. With tears in his eyes, he's probably saying, why didn't I make a bigger stand? Why didn't I stand up greater? I don't know that he didn't. I'm just telling you, he's not listed among the three. You go over to chapter number 6, and there's a new king in town, and there's a new government in control, the Medes and the Persians. And they don't burn people with fire. You know what they do? They throw people in lion's dens. And there's a law that goes forth, and this is what it says. Anybody that prays to anybody but the king of the Medes and Persians will be thrown alive into the midst of the lines. We don't know what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But of all the people in the whole kingdom who would not listen to that decree... 
one man. His name was Daniel. You know what Daniel said? I've seen what bending will get you. And I've seen what standing will get you. And if I end up being lion's food tonight, then let me go out salty. And he bows. And he looks up to the God of heaven. And he says, Oh God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob. And they grab him by the nap of the neck. And they throw him in the fire or into the the lion's den. And all night long, nothing. All night long, nothing. Now watch this. You get over to chapter number 6 and this is what Daniel says, Nolan. The king yells in, Daniel, are you safe? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling good. How did you make it? He said, God hath sent his angel. Do what? Yes, sir. God sent the angel and he shut up the mouths of the lions. You're telling me that he'll shut up the mouth of a lion? Yeah, king, I'm shocked too. But I figured if he was big enough to get in the fire with my three friends back there and let them survive the fire, I figured these lions weren't a big deal to him and he came through for me just in time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, you just think you're going through this thing by yourself. You just think you're on an island all by your... No, 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 no. 10,000 times no. You know what you are? You are being watched. You are being looked at. You are being paid attention to and somebody's watching your life and they're watching the trial and they're watching the fire and somebody's going to learn how to survive the fire by seeing how you respond to it. And you know what the devil realizes? The fire cannot stop God's plan in your life. Beloved, the fire cannot Stop you. It might burn you. It might hurt you. But it ain't going to stop what God's doing. Have you been burnt? Probably. So have I. But Paul made a statement. This is what he says. This light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How many men in here are what I'd call pyromaniacs? You like to set stuff on fire. If you're a red-blooded male, you love setting stuff on fire. Sure you do. The biggest pyromaniacs I know are firemen. My daddy was one. Hunter Pigram's one. And there's a lot of men in this room. What's the difference and what's Paul saying there? Here's what he's saying. You ever seen a big bonfire? I'm talking redneck bonfire. I'm not talking about one of these fire pit. I'm talking about pallets being thrown in the middle of a field. I'm talking about people that 
don't know what water hoses are at fires. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That big fire is what Paul said God's doing in you. You ever seen this new thing? Man, when I was a little kid, a Zippo lighter, you had arrived in life. If you had a Zippo lighter, I mean you, my friend, were true blue southern royalty. And you really, don't you smokers act like you don't know what I'm talking about before you got right with God. Don't y'all sit there and don't know what a Zippo is. They got these new things now. Bic makes them. And this little clicker. And it's got 15 safeties. You got to have octopus arms in order to light the thing. You know that little flame that shoots out the top of that? You know that little plus and minus thing on the back of it? You know you can turn that little flame up and it'll just... Shoot up. Would you ever stop for a second and say, that flame is bigger than that fire? You would say you're crazy. And that's what Paul says. That flame is the problem you're going through. But it's that little flame that lights that thing on fire. And what you can't see is God's a stacking the wood pallets in your life. Uh, yes. And it's that little problem you're going through. It's that little fire you're going through. It's that little tribulation that you're going through that the holy God of heaven's going to use as you get a little closer. Man, I watched a video on YouTube today and they thought it would be a good idea to throw five gallons of gasoline on that fire. And that fool went over with that lighter. And brother, she blew. And I'm telling you what the devil's trying to do in your life. You should have seen them. I mean, they were yelling at this guy, Erica, you were sleeping. I, you didn't see it, but you're here. I mean, they were screaming, Scott. Don't get near that fire. Don't get near that fire. Don't get near it. Back up, Terry. Don't get near it. And I mean, he just kept walking. And when that fire, that little flame, hit that gasoline, it looked like a bomb went off. If they had stopped him back here from taking that little thing, if they had stopped him, he would have never lit the big thing. And that's what the devil tries to do with the fires in our life. Stop walking. Just back up. Go back that way. Don't get near it because every step you take by faith, that little flame is getting so close to what God is about to light off in your life. 